You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Some stories just ask one question. How could this possibly happen? Now, I want to be absolutely clear that this has been an extraordinary outbreak, both in terms of the numbers and the severity. It is certainly the largest E. coli outbreak in Alberta that I'm aware of. As of Wednesday, there were more than 250 cases linked to an E. coli outbreak in Calgary. Nearly all of those cases, children attending a group of daycares. Some of those kids are gravely ill. Children are among the most vulnerable to E. coli infections. It was only yesterday, a week into the outbreak, that Alberta health officials spoke to the public about it. And they released details of an inspection of a kitchen that was shared by the affected daycares. Those details, as you'll hear today, are stomach-churning. So again, I'll ask, how could this possibly happen? Who is responsible and what happens now? To those children, to their parents, and to everyone who allowed this on their watch. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Courtney Terrio is a reporter with City News in Alberta who has been, like many in Alberta, following this story closely. Hey, Courtney. Hey, Jordan. You're looking at daycares for your your own child right now, so this must be a a really tough one for you. Well, for sure. I I mean, I think every parent knows going into the daycare game that you're going to face a wide variety of illnesses. I've talked to some friends who suggest that, you know, you, you can expect your kid to be sick once, twice, three times a month. But uh, what we're dealing with here in Alberta is a real eye-opener and, and something that we've never seen to this magnitude before, not just in Alberta, but likely across Canada with respect to this E. coli outbreak in, in Calgary. So let's talk first about what is E. coli? How does it impact people? So there are several different types of E. coli, actually, uh, five of them in all. And uh, typically what you'll see is that uh, it comes from a contamination of food, either raw veggies or uncooked beef. And in that case, usually what it is, is the E. coli will come from the cow itself. That can be found in the intestine as well as the animal's stool. So what you'll see a lot is that you've maybe even heard this term before. It's uh, traveler's diarrhea. Mm. That's the type of thing that you'll see with a a basic version of E. coli. If you happen to be vacationing out of country and perhaps you're dealing with perhaps more unsanitary conditions uh, in some of the kitchens that you might be visiting. Uh, But what we're seeing here in Alberta is something a little bit more potent. This is E. coli 0157, and this is the nastiest of the five that are on the spectrum. Uh, This one will not only cause issues with respect to blood clotting, this one can actually cause some level of organ damage, which is kind of what we're seeing in some of the cases here in Alberta. How serious is it for kids? And maybe just to give us a sense of the scale here, uh, I mentioned a number of infections in the intro. How many are we talking about? Are they all kids? And how, how ill are they? Yeah, so this is a disease that typically uh, hits kids and older people harder than those of us right there in the center of the uh, the age bracket. When this was first announced publicly back on September 4th, AHS, Alberta Health Services, confirmed that there were 17 cases. Uh, eight days later, 
that number had jumped to 264 confirmed cases. The vast majority of those were in kids uh, at 11 daycares affected by this outbreak. Uh, what makes this really troubling is that 25 of those uh, cases are in hospital. They've also found 22 cases of something called HUS. What that does is it affects the kidneys and, as I mentioned, it causes issues with respect to blood clotting. And things have gotten so bad that, in fact, six kids are actually on peritoneal dialysis. That wow. They have to have their kidneys flushed because the E. coli has hit them so hard that uh, they, they can't go on without that at this juncture. Now, fortunately, we haven't seen any deaths. We haven't seen anything reach that threshold that we have seen in other E. coli outbreaks across this country in the last 40 years. But nonetheless, this is, uh, just to give you a sense of how, how significant it is, young children are on dialysis just from whatever this contamination is. You know, without getting into anyone's uh, personal medical details, which I understand are obviously not being released, do we know what the prognosis is? Like, what happens after that? Can they go on dialysis, get their kidneys flushed, and, and make a full recovery here? You know, and that is the, the the question, I think, for these more severe cases. Taking a look at the history, when it comes to the conditions that, uh, the more severe conditions that we've seen here in Alberta, in, in many instances, it's a case of just a little bit of time helping them get over it. But taking a look back at, again, so like I said, some of the other cases we've seen here in, in Canada over the years, sometimes it's a case of years. Sometimes the symptoms are long lasting. And, you know, it's, it's a little premature to say exactly what is the case here. But certainly when you, you're talking about children who are still in their, their, their formative years, still developing, still growing, any kind of damage like this does have the potential to cause long lasting damage and, and, and impact in their lives going forward. Now, hopefully that's not the case, mm -hmm. but certainly as, as any parent, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to be concerned about the a smallest bruise on your knee, let alone the fact that your child is going through dialysis, you know, and, uh, the, the, the mental trauma associated with that. I know we talked to one woman, uh, in Calgary about this, and she was talking about how her son basically was looking, was looking at her and telling her mommy, why can't you make this pain stop? And she just said that she was just so gutted that there was nothing she could do. So, I mean, in addition to the physical side of things, we do have to take into account the, the, the mental trauma that these families are going through. Okay, so that's kind of the lay of the land of what has happened and what the situation is. Um, this is the question I asked off the top in the intro. How can something like this happen? You mentioned 11 daycares, so several locations. How? And that is the question that is still trying to be determined. Uh, the most recent update by the province says the investigation is ongoing. Uh, more than a week into this, they figure that they know that the kitchen in play, uh, they know which one is responsible. However, they have yet to determine the exact source of the contamination. So they don't know if it's which, which type of food it might be, if hmm. it's uh, a contamination that uh, came from some other source. This is still very much uh, under the microscope at this point. And that's how I got a lot of people obviously scratching their heads that they haven't been able to pinpoint that. Uh, certainly you ask, how could this happen? Uh, well, this is a uh, kitchen that uh, serves a variety of different daycares throughout the city. And so that's what happened here, is that these these daycares were, were tapped into this uh, kitchen uh, called Fueling Mines. And so that's the source of where the contamination came from. As I said, we're not sure about the specific contamination. So those are the kids that are getting sick from this. Uh, we do know that the 
kitchen in question has had four previous uh, inspections by AHS this year, uh, one of those coming up with uh, minimal issues, uh, but it was the one that came after that first report of E. coli cases that really raised eyebrows. Tell me about that most recent inspection. We got the details of that on Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, certainly. And uh, kind of a stomach-curdling report and details on that front. That September 5th report found five different violations, three deemed serious, two deemed non-critical. So when we're talking about the critical ones, we're talking about cockroaches, including some live ones found near the dishwasher. We're talking about uh, a sanitizer mix that they use to keep things clean and antiseptic. Uh, It was mixed so poorly that it was deemed to be 0% sanitized. So no alcohol in it whatsoever. And then there was also concerns about improper temperature control, about food being moved from that kitchen to the daycares, uh, 90 minutes at times being moved from one location to another and no temperature control to ensure that the food was still safe for consumption. Uh, A couple of the other violations there that definitely, again, just kind of leave you a little bit unsettled, but deemed not as serious, that there was a sewer smell in the kitchen, that the dishwasher was leaky, and that the thermometer for the food was being stored in an unsanitary way. And so if that doesn't shake your foundation in the system, hearing that these things were happening in a daycare that supposedly is being inspected on a regular basis by Alberta Health Services, I don't know what else will. Yeah. What has health services said about this and like, how is this supposed to work? Yeah, no, I, you know, and this is the thing that uh, thousands upon thousands of inspections are done every year by Alberta Health Services on daycares. And uh, in this particular case, as I mentioned, there were four previously. This is a situation where, according to the chief medical officer of health, uh, who spoke for the first time yesterday in his 10 month term since taking the job, We'll get to that in one second. Uh, But he was saying that in his uh, estimation, based on what he's he's seen throughout all this, is that it's very uncommon for an inspection to turn up no violations. He says that, uh, you know, essentially the majority of these cases, you're going to see violations pop up, but there'll be minor infringements Mm. and that these are the types of things that get turned over uh, within a span of a couple days or a week or something like that. Something that doesn't necessarily put the the health and well-being of people at risk. And if there needs to be a quick pause, there is a quick pause. So what we were seeing with respect to that September 5th report on the daycare multi-kitchen is a a real eye-opener. These are are the types of details that, uh, again, going through some of the older uh, reports that we've seen for daycares, this this, this really stands out as, as, as pretty egregious. This was, I guess, the the first like public press conference rather than a release since this whole thing began more than a week ago. Where has the communication been coming from? It's basically been a head scratcher for a government that has touted itself as, as very strong with respect to 
children's safety. I know if you go back last year, there was a big thing where they went to the mat to try and uh, bring in children's medicine when there was the huge Tylenol shortage. They did right. something that no other province had done. And so, uh, you know, they have tried to put themselves as uh, kind of the always at the forefront of the communication to ensure that children have been taken care of. And you're right. I mean, outside of a few releases from Alberta Health Services, uh, it was radio silence for the most part from the first few days with respect to the public response. Even if you go on Twitter, the very first tweet from a government official with respect to this outbreak in Calgary was from the federal health minister, Mark Holland. Now he issued his tweet about this a day before the premier of Alberta, the day before the health minister of Alberta even referenced it in any way, shape or form on Twitter. Hmm. And of course there have been a lot of cries for answers as to what went on. Someone to step in front of a microphone and you know, address not just the the families that are going through this, but the, the, the families who are on the periphery, such as myself, you know, considering what we want to do with daycare or kids who are already in daycare. Right. And so for the fact that it took over a week for any government officials to step in front of a microphone in of itself, I think caught a lot of people off guard and, and, and certainly spurred a little bit of anger. A lot of things about Tuesday's press conference uh, only heightened that concern about, you know, the government's response. First and foremost, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Mark Jaffe, who uh, is the chief medical officer of health, took over that role permanently 10 months ago after Dr. Dina Hinshaw was fired by Premier Danielle Smith. This was the very first time that we saw him step up to a podium in any respect, despite, you know, a multitude of things. I know we had some RSV issues last winter that we we were dealing with. We never heard word one from him on that. So this was the first time we heard him speak on this. And he made a couple of definitely eyebrow-raising statements. Uh, first off, he mentioned that this daycare kitchen had never had any critical reports in the past. But a quick look back to February 2022 suggests that there, in fact, was at least one previous critical report with respect to this exact kitchen. And secondly, the one that really drew the ire of people who tuned into the press conference was the fact that he said that uh, when asked why they hadn't made public comments prior to Tuesday, he said they were busy taking a look at the information and the investigation and that up until this point, there was no urgency to address it publicly. So that was that was certainly the one that, that really raised eyebrows. And the other one that uh, kind of stood out for, for me was the children's minister speaking yesterday on this, uh, he made a very quick statement. He mispronounced E. coli. He referred to it as E. coli. And the, the fact that the, the headlining illness of this press conference is, is something that gets mangled, as simple as that, that, that again, you know, adds to, you know, the, the, the questions about just how seriously the government has been taking this outbreak. What are parents doing right now? I know uh, your team has, has spoken to at least a few of them. What are they doing? What what comes next for them? Even the ones, I guess, that are lucky enough not to see uh, their children fall ill. Like, how do you send your kid back to that daycare? There are so many different stories when you're dealing with 200 plus children here. As I mentioned, it's at 264 cases of lab-confirmed illness of E. coli as of Tuesday. And so you're seeing a lot of parents who are having to just take off work entirely 
in order to look after some really sick children, even if they aren't in hospital. Uh, you know, what they're dealing with at home is the type of illness that goes above and beyond what you would typically bring home during flu and sniffle season. So you've got that going on. Uh, in, in some instances, you know, people are actually having to start up GoFundMes in order to try and address the costs associated with having to take all this time off work. And to that end, I mean, there's no surprise that uh, a class action lawsuit is uh, imminent with respect to this, essentially being filed earlier this week, claiming uh, negligence, unsanitary and unsafe food storage preparation and handling protocols. Of course, none of that has been proven in court. You know, there's a little asterisk beside that. But it just goes to show you the the, the magnitude of this. And uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Jaffe himself who said that uh, this is possibly not only the largest uh, E. coli outbreak of its kind in Alberta, but it's the largest pediatric E. coli outbreak potentially in Canadian history. Are new cases still showing up? Are the daycares still closed? Like, what do the next few days look like? And when will we know, you know, parents whose whose kids have not fallen ill will know that, like, the, the window, I guess, for infection has passed? Yeah, the numbers have kept increasing every single day since uh, we first found out about this on September 4th. And so uh, we don't know exactly when that uh, number is going to stop increasing on a daily basis. In terms of when parents will find out if this is it, that was another question that was put to the medical team of the government yesterday and that did not seem to be an answer. So this could be a case where we're going to continue seeing this uh, progress going forward. And coli is just, it is a nasty illness and it's so easy to transmit once it's actually in human the, the, the human food chain and the human cycle. Hmm. We have seen some of the daycares that were shut down reopen. Uh, four of them reopened on Monday. Now, those four that reopened on Monday, those were ones that had not, as of that point anyway, uh, had any confirmed cases. Uh, we did see two others open that had confirmed cases, and the other five still remained closed as uh, our last information on that front of course, the province is moving very carefully with reopening the daycares. The kitchen, the central kitchen itself, the share kitchen, uh, remains very much closed at this juncture. Uh, the company saying that it is complying with the government in every sort of element of the investigation. So we're still not sure when that's going to open up. But again, it's still very much not a resolved situation. We might still be seeing more cases of this going forward. And we don't know when we're going to get answers. The government's saying that they still haven't, you know, more than a week into this, figured out what the contamination source was. The last thing I want to ask, and maybe if it is even possible here to end this on a positive note, what kind of care have the children been getting? I understand the children's hospital there has really stepped up. Yeah, and, you know, this is the hospital that uh, obviously dealt with some pretty serious numbers in uh, recent years, whether it was with respect to COVID, whether it was respect to the RSV outbreak that uh, Calgary in particular got hit with last year. Uh, So they're no strangers to dealing with crisis. And the fact of the matter is, though, that this is uh, a situation where you have 25 children uh, dealing with a condition that uh, is going to both, you know, strain families, strain the children, and, and certainly put pressure on the medical community. But they have absolutely stepped up. They, they, they've brought in the resources. And the one theme that I, I've gotten from everyone, every parent, everyone who's who's been just 
impacted by this this devastating illness is that they commend the efforts the the team there at the uh, the Alberta Children's Hospital and, and 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 they want everyone to know that I mean as much as they might have questions with respect to the regulations surrounding daycares and daycare kitchens and the government response they have nothing but the utmost admiration for what the folks in the medical community have done to help their children during this uh, impossible situation. Courtney, thank you for this. Uh, you and the City News folks will watch this closely and hopefully the numbers stop and we, we don't talk to you about this again, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. And uh, certainly uh, this uh, hopefully will give prospective daycare parents a little something to, to chew on as uh, they go forward in making their decision as well, such as myself. Courtney Terrio, reporting for City News. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. All of our episodes are there. They're also available, as you well know, in whatever podcast player you happen to use. If you want to reach out to us to share a story with us, to share feedback with us, or whatever else you might like to share, you can do it by finding us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us using hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail. That phone number, 416-935-5935. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.